Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. So, good morning, True North. My name is Kathleen. I am on staff here at True North, and I'm also part of the teaching team. And I'm super excited to be with you as we continue our Summer Games series. And the game that I'm talking about today is a game that might have been the first game that many of you ever played. It is a game that if you were a kid, if you are a kid, if you have a kid, you have played this game. And this game is Candyland. So I heard some ahs and I heard some ugh because a lot of parents, when I told them I'm going to talk about this game, said, oh my goodness, I really don't like that game. It goes on forever. And my favorite memories are of my brother and my dad on the floor playing this board game. So do not take that away from me. Dad, if you hated this, don't tell me. But I loved playing that game. And the way you play the game is the cards get put on the board and you just start picking out cards and they have little colors and you hop along the board to get to the end. What we're going to talk about today is the origin of the Candyland game. So I want you to do something. I know this is going to be challenging for every person in the room and online to picture yourself living through a health epidemic. I don't know if you can imagine what it would be like if there was a virus that came out of nowhere, you didn't know how you caught it, but people would have sore throats, stomach might bother you, you'd be exhausted, you might have some trouble breathing, um, and it started causing some mass hysteria because the most vulnerable people who were affected by this virus caught this virus, and in some cases, it was so severe that people would die from this virus. And this virus caused people to have complete panic and hysteria over, would I catch this? Would my kids catch this? So you know what? We, we're going to cancel the birthday parties. We're going to close the playgrounds. We are going to shut down movie theaters, and we're going to shut down swimming pools. And this all sounds a little bit familiar to all of us, but it was not the past 18 months that we've lived through in the COVID pa pandemic. This was the polio epidemic that struck from the 1900s and ended in about 1970s. So when we think about the polio virus, it mostly affected little precious children, many of whom were from the ages of five and younger. And these kids, if they were really sick, were sent to polio wards. And these were hospital rooms just lined with beds of children on either side. And there might be some kids who are in bed just waiting for the day when they could get out of their wheelchair and maybe just get to sit and look out the window because they can't go outside. Maybe there's a little girl who just had her braces strapped on her legs, these heavy, tight metal 
braces that were painful as each step she took as she learned to walk again, and these braces dug into her gentle skin. Or you might see a little boy in an early form of a respirator called an iron lung, and with each painful breath, that machine kept him breathing. These were scared children. These were children away from their moms and their dads and their friends. And kids, we learned this so much the past 18 months. Kids are so smart. So these little kids, they know what's going on. They've been told this virus is bad, and if you get this virus, you could be hurt for life, you could pass away. So these kids suffering are among other kids suffering. And there's someone else that's in a polio ward in the 1940s, and her name is Eleanor Abbott. She wasn't a nurse, she wasn't a doctor, she was a school teacher who contracted polio as an adult, just like President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And she was sent to recover from polio in her 30s to a children's polio ward in San Diego. So this woman, who at one time stood in front of a classroom teaching kids, is suffering, and she's sick, and she's probably saying, why is this happening to me? Why, why me now? Why is this suffering even happening at all? And she looks out, and she sees all those other little kids, and she thinks, why are they going through this too? Have you, have you felt that way these past 18 months? Why do we have to go through this? Why does it seem like we just kept pulling one bad card after another? First people were getting sick, then people were getting really sick, and the hospitals were overloading. Maybe someone you loved passed away, and you just don't understand why this is happening and you're suffering and the people around you are suffering. But, but we don't need to be living in a global pandemic to go through that because it happens in our everyday lives. When maybe you know, you're struggling at your job and you just feel like every time that promotion's there, you get looked over. Or you've got this great dream and you want to follow it and you can't wait to follow it but you draw a bad card and something gets in the way and you just can't get there and you just keep hitting setback after setback and drawing these cards again and again. So what, what do we do? We naturally, we start saying to God, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me right now? Why is this happening to the people I love? And then naturally, because we're human beings, we tell other people this. And we say, well, and now I've got this toothache, and you know, yesterday I blew a tire, so I have to go fix that, and it just feels like it's one thing after another. And people, what do we do next? We try to offer advice. And people will say things like, oh, you do not deserve this. 
or, well, it could be worse. Count your blessings. That, that does not help. Please don't say that. The one that I think we hear all the time, and it's my least favorite advice, is God will never give you more than you can handle. Have you heard that a few times in your life? Well, I'm going to blow that idea up for you. God will always have moments in your life that are more than you can handle. But that's for a very simple reason. We can't handle them. When we are people who love and believe in Jesus, we have God to handle these things for us. We have a God who puts people in our lives to help us handle the things that we cannot handle. Many times we think when we become a Christian, well, it's going to be like Candyland, where we slide right up that rainbow slide, and we skip through the forest. Don't you hate when those people play the game and that's what happens, and their lives are great? But for you, suddenly you believe in Jesus, and it's getting harder. And you just feel like one thing keeps hitting you, and you're stuck in the murky swamp of Candyland in a space where you're like, I believe in Jesus, and I'm praying, and I'm going to church, and I just feel like I can't do anything right. Why is this happening to me? Well, this has happened time and time again to Christians in the Bible, and it happened over and over and over to a man named Paul. The Apostle Paul had this radical encounter with Jesus, and this led Paul to set out on this path, doing God's work, spreading the gospel of Jesus out to the entire known world. When we at True North say we play a little part in God's amazing story, Paul was playing his part, and it was a part that was empowered by God. So he might have been thinking, well, this is going to be great. Guess what? Paul drew one bad card after another. Paul was a Roman Jewish man, and everywhere he went, people did not like him. So the Romans really didn't like Paul because if you're Roman, Caesar is king, but Caesar is also God. And now you have this man, Paul, running all over your empire, telling people, oh, no, 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 Caesar's not God, guys. Jesus is God. So the Romans really don't like him. And then his own people, the Jewish people, Paul is telling them, guys, the Messiah, Jesus, he came. But um, I know you guys are the chosen people, but um, there's this whole other group of people in the world called the Gentiles. He came for them too. They're like, oh, we do not like you, Paul. This can't be. So Paul wrote letters to all these different churches he wrote. And every now and then, these churches would need encouragement or strengthening. Um, or some of them would say, where do you get off telling us 
that, you know, we should know how to behave and we should know what to do. Paul, you have it so easy. What are you talking about? And Paul goes, oh, no, I don't. And I am going to tell you all the bad cards I have drawn as I preach the gospel of Jesus. And we are going to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And Paul wrote this letter because people were kind of questioning if he was qualified to teach. So Paul writes this. It's a long piece of scripture, but stick with me here. 2 Corinthians 11, starting with verse 23 up to verse 28. And Paul says, I know, I sound like a madman, but I have served him, meaning Jesus, far more I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of concern for all the churches. Those are not verses that you will see on someone's wall with beautiful flowers when you walk in their house. You don't buy that framed at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> Those are verses that are saying, I know what it's like to get bad card after bad card after bad card, but you know what? I see other churches suffering, so I am going to write to you and go to you and know that every time I do this, I am going to face something that could be difficult for me again, but I'm not going to stop. And that's a message for each one of us today. When we get, when we're isolated, when we're alone, when we're hurting, when we know there are other people out there hurting, we can make a choice and we can decide I'm just going to wallow in this sadness. I'm going to order all the DoorDash I want. I did that a lot. I'm going to watch all of Tiger King, maybe a little Bridgerton on Netflix for hours on end and just sit in my sadness. Eleanor Abbott, though, she didn't do that. She looked out at those kids in that polio ward, and she herself suffering when doctors could only treat symptoms, she thought, let me treat their gentle souls. So she invented a game. This game that for children who were alone with strangers who are sick and without the people they love, she invents a game to allow them to escape their sad reality. And she encourages these kids, just through playing a game, 
to see the joy in the everyday. And that's what you and I can do. We can submit to God and we can be humble and we can say, I know I'm going through this. It is hard and I don't like this, but God, I know you're with me, so help me through this. And that's what Paul kept praying too. But then Paul drew another card and this was a really bad card. Paul is thrown in prison. Roman prisons were a hole in the ground so that you couldn't escape. You had to bring your own food. Someone would have to deliver it to you and sneak you paper. Paul is alone and he is isolated when he writes a letter to the Colossians. Even though he's suffering, he decides, you know what, I have to encourage this church because they're gonna go through something hard. People are teaching them things that are just gonna lead them on the wrong path. And, and even though it's gonna be hard and it's gonna be hard for me to get that paper in, I gotta write them a letter. So what Paul does is he writes this letter to the Colossians and it starts with chapter three and we're gonna read verses three, uh, sorry, chapter three, verses 12 to 15. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and to always be thankful. Paul, who later in this letter says he is he is actually clothed in chains, encourages people instead, and says, clothe yourself in the righteousness of God. Clothe yourself in love and mercy, so that when you are suffering, you can be tender and gentle and loving and kind to those around you. Remember the early days of the pandemic, when none of us really knew what was happening, we just, we were kind of wandering around confused, so you'd go and take a walk at night because you knew you could do that safely. And you'd walk down the sidewalk, and you might see that some little child drew a rainbow of hope on the sidewalk or wrote, thank you, healthcare workers, and hung it up in the windows. Kids and parents who were suffering and scared took time to offer hope to other people who needed it. I mean, I just remember when birthday parties would get canceled and little kids are brokenhearted because their celebration's over. What did we do? We got in our cars, we decorated them, we hung out of sunroofs, and we just screamed happy birthday, sang happy birthday, threw confetti, honked our horns. The neighbors didn't complain about the noise. They were so happy to hear the noise because we, even when we were suffering, we could celebrate. And that is what God calls us to do, 
to celebrate when it is so hard because God is right there in it with us. Eleanor suffered, and she created hope through a board game. She went one step further. We don't know much about her after she created the game. There's not even a photograph of her. But we do know that when Milton Bradley bought her board game and it became the best-selling board game, she donated most of her royalties to children's charities. She just kept pressing on and pressing in and going forward, despite any suffering she might have been going through. So I want us all to take a look at the original board game for Candyland that was made in 1948. So this is the board, and as you can see, you've got all your colors and your obstacles and the squares you get stuck on. But what you see are two children, a little boy and a little girl, and they might have been patients in a polio ward who were once without friends and family and alone. But now, as we take a closer look at them, what we see is they're holding hands with one another on a path, and they are not alone. And we see something else when we look at the little boy. We see a shadow on his leg and a line. Those are not creases in the paper. Those are not pencil marks that don't belong there. Those are the braces on his legs helping him walk each step as he recovers from polio. And so this little boy and this little girl who are suffering are going to walk on this board and get someplace. Because as we look at the full board again, the goal of Candyland, the goal for these children as they wander through this whole thing is to get to one place. You win Candyland when you get home. That's the same for me and for you, for those of us who have our faith in Jesus. We just want to go home. We know this world has its twists and its turns, and you're going to get stuck on a cherry pitfall square in a season of wait, and you might get sent back four times to that same spot that you don't want to be in, but you are not alone because God goes before you and beside you and behind you. He will put people in your life to hold your hand and bring you through, and when you hit that rough patch, you can still push through and help someone else to keep moving forward one step at a time. So I want you today to do something. I want you to go home, and I want you to play Candyland. But don't play it on a board. Play it with your life. And every day, just move forward trusting Tell, trusting God to just lead you so that you and you and you can know that you are being led to your heavenly home, sweet home. 
Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the gift of your presence in our lives, your perfect presence that is surrounding us. We thank you that even when we reach hard times, Father, you are with us. You are in the suffering and you challenge us to seek out others who need us during those times. So help us, Lord, to see the hurts of others and maybe with your help, meet their needs and bring them hope. And we ask this through our eternal hope, the precious name of Jesus. Together we say, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.